0: welcome to purposeful empathy a show dedicated to spreading more empathy throughout the world today's episode is brought to you by grant Huron international an on-demand coaching provider for individuals and companies thanks for watching and i hope you enjoy the show so welcome to another episode of purposeful empathy today i'm joined by ed kerwin who is a former secondary school teacher from North London, and today he's a filmmaker and the founder of Empathy Week. So welcome, Ed.
1: Thank you very much, lovely to be here.
0: Now, Empathy Week is a global education program that uses the power of film to develop skills like empathy, leadership, and resilience in young people. Love it. It also provides a platform and opportunity for young people to turn empathy into action through Empathy Action Projects. Love it. Love it. Love it. Last year was the first year of Empathy Week and schools in 48 countries across six continents took part. This year Empathy Week is taking place February 26 to 20, no February 22nd to 26th and your vision is to build the empathy generation, a generation of young people who leave school as empathic leaders. I am so excited to have this conversation with you Tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself and the backstory to Empathy Week that kind of like led to this moment in time.
1: Yeah, I was, I was just thinking as you were saying that we couldn't get the words empathy in there anymore, could we? <laughs> <laughs> Empty, empathy, 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 empathy. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for that introduction. It's lovely, and it's also nice. Um, I think when I've been so busy at the moment, kind of getting it all together that to hear someone else say it because it makes me think oh, okay right we're we're on the right track or we're, we're doing something good so my backstory is that I was um, typical I would say you know young lad who went to uni loved uni played sport got my degree kind of was focused on myself and I then did a program called teach first which lots of people around the world will be familiar maybe with their their local country version so if you're in America teach for America or Nepal teach for Nepal or you know teach teach for all organizations and I was basically thrown into a school in North London for a minimum of two years um, serving kind of an underprivileged community or a school that has students that you know on, on the poverty line not all but a complete mix of students and I absolutely love teaching i'm i'm a passionate educator i'm still a teacher despite the fact i'm not in a classroom um i'm still an educator and i think it's probably one of the most important if not the most important job in the world it's one of the only jobs where everyone knows what that person does everyone's hopefully been through school you know not everyone in the world unfortunately goes to school but everyone knows teachers and what they do and Um, everyone has kind of a teacher that's left an impression on on them whether that's positive or negative Um, hopefully more positives and I I loved it but what I found teaching in my three years that I was teaching was that it wasn't to get my students to a level of success and I I put say success like that because success is is academically successful in the eyes of you know education systems and that's probably a whole other talk and discussion Um, But to get them to that level of confidence and to even get them to try and accept failure and and work towards that, I had to understand them as as humans and I had to understand who is in my class. It's not just, okay. this is a science classroom of 14-year-olds who are at this level of education. It's actually, no, that person has two brothers and one sister And one of their their sisters disabled and that's why maybe they don't do homework because they have to help their mum do that or that boy goes and picks up his two brothers from school and lives in a one-bed flat with his mum and doesn't have a dad and has never known his dad and knowing all these things about my my students helps so much with being able to to just teach them they they feel understood they feel loved uh, which I think is a strange word often to use in teaching because People say, what what you love your students? Like, of course you do. Like you're there every day. You feel guilty if you have a day off sick. Most teachers don't ever take days off sick because they're just like, I have to be there. I have to be there for my for my students. And I learned very I never called it empathy when I was teaching. I never really thought of it, um, to be honest. But I I became a bit of a I don't know what the word is. Um I I was really interested in behaviour and I became quite good at it. controlling kids in a way that allowed them to express themselves but also get on with their work and that meant letting some things slide and and stamping down on other things but the thing that I, I said I remember sending out a young lad once to just call off outside and I think he thought I was going to come out and shout at him and I just said to him look what you've done and I think he'd thrown like a rock or something at another kid's head um I said what you've done is not excusable but there's a reason reason for it there's a reason why you're misbehaving So and that's the kind of the tagline I go across today like every action there's a reason behind it but there's never an excuse Mm -hmm. and getting them to realize that and asking them then have you had breakfast what's going on at home what you you know tell me about you and them understanding that I'm asking that genuinely and because I am curious opened up then the respect and then once they respect you they do want to work for you. And I don't have to put on extra revision classes because I know that they come to my lesson, they enjoy my subject and they'll do the work themselves. And I think that's the greatest gift any school or teacher can do is instill a love of learning and instill a level of discipline in the child that means that they do it when you're not there. Because what's the point in just standing over a child to make sure that they they do something because we think it's the right thing for them to do. So that's kind of my my passionate area and my teaching background and I had one group in particular uh who called themselves the U gang which was a a group of young boys who were failing sorry there's there an ambulance going past I live right on a, <laughs> a road in London which is very noisy um but yeah I called themselves the U gang and they were ultimately petrified of failure um there were 24 boys the school had decided to all put these boys in one class even though it's a co-educational school because they would disrupt if you put one of them in another class they would disrupt it and they were all failing they'd all failed their mocks. they'd come up the stairs and ultimately it was through just grinding away at them and making them understand me but me understand them but also make them understand the fact that they're lucky to even be going to school this was also at a time of a refugee crisis and Syrian war which is, which is still going on but you know I had Syrian refugees at school and there were Afghan refugees at school that I taught and you'd be like your parents have fled some of your parents have fled some of your parents are first generation your first generation English British in this country ask go home and ask your parents why they came here they came here to have for you to have this opportunity to sit here and opening their eyes to the, the world and I just realized through giving assemblies I, I focused a lot on homelessness that empathy is such a powerful tool or this tool of understanding another person and understanding yourself as well is what led to then academic success or led to self-belief or self-leadership and all of these things and I I left teaching really because I was burnt out but also to explore other avenues I wanted to have a a larger impact on on young people and through various projects I picked up a camera and I just started filming people on the streets in the UK travelled around people thought I was a bit weird. Crazy, my friends and things but I wanted to do a project and I wanted to focus people's attention on on homelessness and I ended up actually in Mexico at the Homeless World Cup in 2018 um, which is an amazing tournament that happens every year usually that brings people who are homeless or socially excluded to play football against each other and that's where I met the Indian team um, and the organization behind the Indian team Slum Soccer who take young people out of uh, slum communities and literally play football with them, train them up to be coaches or players whilst also educating them, giving them some schooling and basically a a sense of belonging, which is actually what we're all longing for, right? This this sense of purpose and belonging and, and feeling that we matter in the world or our community. And I went out there in 2019, April 2019, and that's where kind of Empathy Week sparked. It was like, right, I'm an educator, I'm a teacher, I was there to help them develop a leadership course using my kind of background, my master's background, but also my teaching background, and I had my filmmaking, I was like, this is a perfect blend to film the lives of people, not to pity them, not, not to have you know, poverty porn and to show, oh look, this is a slum and this is how people wash. absolutely not, none of that, but to show this is a person, a young saturn as an example of a perfect one of the stories from that year where she lives in a one room flat in Mumbai, but convinced her dad to let her play football and her brother died. And she uses it as a, as a way to excel and a way to, and she doesn't wish for all of these things. She says that in the story. I don't wish for it. I used to want an iPhone. I used to want this. I want that. But she realizes that actually what she needs is, is football and community and family. And then to take that and and use it as a film and show that to students across the world, that's so powerful because then other young people stood up and said, I've never met this girl. I never probably will meet this girl. Um, I may never go to India, but I can understand where she's coming from and I see a bit of myself in her and bits that I don't see of myself in her, I now understand more about another culture, more about another person. So it sparks all these conversations and that's kind of how empathy week started so it's a very long introduction into it but
0: but I'm that's... so happy to hear that because first of all you reminded me of the work of Nell, Nol- uh, Nell Noddings who talks about care um and and a couple of other people that I'm just re- re- remembering sort of like my own thesis work that you know if you care deeply and love your students they feel it and with mm. that comes the capacity to learn, right? Because they're present, because they feel um, like they're being seen, you know? And uh, so I'm just, I'm just grateful for that part of it. And then also um, I had no idea about this, um, this, this competition, this world games, I had mm. no idea. So I'm gonna have yeah. to check that out. That sounds really fascinating. And, and now it was, you were, you, what did you study in college? You were a scientist, you studied physics yeah. or chemistry?
1: I, I studied biochemistry and biochemistry uh, so
0: I, and now so you're a social entrepreneur.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I did a bit of a, bit of a flip. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I studied biochemistry and then I taught science. I was, a, I was actually a head of chemistry at, uh, at my school and I love science. and I found it great, but I would end up and, you know, my, my old head teacher probably never listened to this anyway. But, um, you know, I did spend sometimes whole lessons just going off on one about what was going on in the world. I don't know if you've ever seen The White Helmets on Netflix. It's no. about the uh, must watch, a must watch. Okay. It's only about an hour long. It won an Oscar, actually. Okay. And it's um, about the Syrian, a group of Syrian volunteers who were the first responders to any kind of uh, airstrike. And actually, the opening scene, and I remember so distinctly, and I won't name any of my students, but one girl in my year 11 class, so 15, 16 years old, Complaining about a 15 minute homework that I've given them when I should have given them probably more anyway, um, because they actually had a party at the weekend mm. and I lost it, not in a sense of shouting. I just went, Everyone, put your pen and paper down, don't touch a thing. And I was just in silence. And I used to do this quite a lot with students just be silent. It makes them so a, a bit uneasy and a bit nervous. We're so used to noise and sound and, and fighting fire with fire. Um, but if you're silent with students, they really listen. And then they, they also become a bit nervous, especially if you look at looking at them. And I used to do this to grab their attention. They knew stuff was going to go down. I put on the white helmets introduction. And the first scene is these men running into a, into a bombed out building. And they come out screaming, uh, God is great. Because uh, they've brought a child out uh, and there's this girl in their arms. And then two, three seconds later, you just hear... And a, bomb goes into the building and it just goes black and that's the opening scene because they were wearing uh gopros and, um, and video cameras and you just think and i i remember just showing them that little bit turning it off and it was just silent it was just dead silent and you know i had probably 30 kids in that class and i probably had 10 nationalities maybe more 10 different countries And I said, if you are complaining about 15 minutes of homework for the joy and the gift that education has, you have no idea. You have no idea what's going I have no idea. We all live in a bubble. But this is going on in the world. And you can't do 15 minutes of homework to to have a better education. Monday morning, 100% return rate on homework. You know, everyone did it. Perfect. Great. Move on. But I spent the whole lesson basically then getting news channels up, exposing them to the world because they are stuck on their phones, but they're looking at content that is not good. And I mean, we'll probably come on to this, but maybe it's the good time now is that it's not, to, it's not to say technology is bad. It's not to say social media is bad. In fact, the, the evidence is, is inconclusive. You know, there's, lots of, there's reports been done by public health bodies in, in the UK anyway that say, actually, social media is a great way to actually support young people in, in issues and causes that they, they care about and things that they're feeling. And young people can feel very supported in an online community. The problem is that they're seeing all the rubbish and they're seeing people in bikinis in Dubai and then they're seeing people selling protein powder and they're see- for aesthetics. And the algorithms are, are keeping these things at the top of the top of the search page. What we need to do is show young people how to use the internet, how to, how to read, not just read one news source because you agree with it, read a lot of them. Don't just follow one person on Twitter or, or a group of people on Twitter. Follow people that you disagree with as well. You know, Actually, not because you agree with them, just because you can then get a sense of the world around you. And I think that's the, the greater thing about empathy because it's, empathy is not about uh, being kind. can empathy can lead to kindness and that's a great you know outcome of empathy but empathy for us and how we describe it is essentially holding space for another person to turn up as they are and for them to be understood as they are and that takes time unfortunately in a world where we we seek instant validation for a lot a lot of things it takes time it takes effort and it's a skill and it's a muscle that has to be to be developed over time and I think that's that's maybe the problem with it and trying to get it into schools is that it does take time and schools are probably, and teachers are probably some of the most time constrained people in the world. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, I think, so so important.
0: So tell me a little bit about the mechanics of empathy week. Like what can Mm. people expect out of the Feb 22nd to 26th? And maybe also as a follow-up to that is like some of the things that you learned from having done it last year mm. that were really big takeaways that you hadn't anticipated or that you were hoping for like impact wise.
1: Yeah, sure. So the way that the week works each year is that we have five films um, with five different people. So we focus on one person each, uh, each day and we show their film 10 minutes long for secondary age students in the UK. So that's 11 to 18. Um, around the world will watch the 10 minute version. We now from last year have a, have a younger uh, age version. So we actually now go from ages five to 18. So we have a, a film that's for eight to 10 year olds and we have a film that's for five to seven year olds. And the five to seven year olds is, you know, is a lot shorter, three to four minutes. It's mainly for them to see the person and see what they're saying. Um, but it's great because that's, that's the idea is that over time, Students who take part in empathy week each year will watch five people each year. So that's 65 different lives by the time you're 18 and you leave school from 13 different countries. And that's how we're, we're going to build what we're saying the empathy generation. But in terms of like the actual mechanics of it, you watch the film and it's in, integrated around the lesson. And having been teachers and teachers that uh, use, you know, filming it and also making the resources, we understand the time constraints. So what we've done is made a 15 minute version which is either an assembly or a registration version. But if you want, you can also do the 30-minute version, which is a lesson and, uh, or a 60-minute version. So as a school, you have the choice to decide. So we've made it very structured as a school. You can take it and run it exactly as it is and run it all the way through. Or if you're stretched for time, you can be flexible and say, actually, no, we're going to do the 15-minute version, but we'll use the resources in a, in a lesson later on. Um, and that's that's really where the power of it and the impacts come through because we actually designed it to only be the UK schools last year and then through the support that we got from other educational organizations that shared it it just schools started downloading it um, and wanting to use it and engaging with it which is great
0: so is there a price to, to to watch to engage
1: so we make it free for all states, state and government schools um, and we charge we charge private schools, we charge fee-paying schools and that's because we believe that's the right thing to do. So we're not a charity uh, and I have no, no qualms with hiding that. We are a for-profit organisation and I again believe that is the best way having looked at um, charities, having looked at social enterprises, having looked at businesses, I believe that is the best way long-term to have impact, I think if I if I want to have the impact that or if we want to have the impact that we want to have in the world I know that's going to come with a price tag for the people that want to have a good salary I need to have the best people in Empathy Week eventually doing this so that students get the best you know Um, program and I am but I'm a believer in business for good I'm not a believer in capitalism just to gain profits and to go go into shareholders pockets it's it's a vision to build the empathy generation, right? So if, if we're putting a price tag on a school in Nigeria that only has a blackboard uh, and they have one projector and maybe one laptop, how are they going to pay for it? How are they going to take part? And how are those students going to take part? And don't, don't get me wrong, empathy week is not a perfect model at all. We're very aware that actually it relies on an internet connection and it relies on the internet connection to play the films. But in our heads, we have this idea of, right, how can we mobilize it? How can we literally get it onto mobile phones in countries? Because, you know, I've been to Uganda, I've lived in Uganda for a few months, I've been to India, I've been to Mexico, I've been to or across the world, mobile phones are the way that people are going to access material in the future and education is going to be able to go to the masses. So, you know, it's not the perfect model at all at the moment, but we are aware of that.
0: Do you envision also that families could take advantage of um, the the films and Empathy Week in some way?
1: So yes, but we the reason we go through schools is to enable us to ensure that the facilitation is correct. So we teachers are trained and teachers are trained to facilitate and they're trained to deliver and they're trained to engage in discussion. And so this, you know the topics that we choose to focus on they're not they're not soft topics they're not easy topics. This year. You know, there's mention of domestic violence, there's mention of racism, there's mention of suicide, um, all sorts of issues that can bring up a lot of emotions in young people that also young people might not want to discuss with their parents, that actually school is that safe space. And what I found as a teacher and having spoken to teachers is school is that safe space for a lot of young people, which is one of the biggest issues of the pandemic at the moment is that kids are stuck at home or in between school and home when actually school is their escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and their safe place. It's always the kids that are never, <laughs> the kids that are the most trouble and uh, mischievous, and are the ones that never miss a day of school. And that's because okay. actually they love being there, but they're just misunderstood and they don't understand. You know how to? It's not they don't understand how to behave. It's it's often usually a cry for for help or attention or love. Um, so, with in terms of families engaging, we we engage directly with schools. One because that's a lot easier for us to do and to have scale at large but also we give schools a parent pack so if if you're a parent and you're interested you should reach out to your school and say i've heard about this program i would love our love my students to be doing it you should register for it and when your school registers for it they should send out a parent pack for you that allows you to see what the week's about and also support your child within the empathy action project if they want to take one on but also very aware that you know, as much as we're shouting about empathy and it's a great skill that, you know, you can get empathy burnout. And if, I, if we're telling a, a young child who's a carer for their parent that they need to be more empathic, you know, it's, it's going to be so much for them. They don't need to be more empathic. They need time off. They need time to chill. They're already doing an amazing job. And that comes with self-empathy, which we try and distill through the lessons for them to understand themselves that no, they don't have to go and save the world because they're already doing an amazing thing by looking after their mum or looking after the, uh, their dad or whoever's at home or maybe that they, they have a disability themselves and that they're just trying to get past. Like Understanding yourself is the key to them going and understanding other people. So there's lots of complexities to it, but yeah, we, we get, schools are our main avenue, but there is definitely a way for parents to be involved once those schools register
0: and so can canadian schools and american schools and schools in the new zealand and australia and all over the world they can join anyone anyone Anyone. any school
1: any school now obviously at the moment there the resources are in english Mm -hmm. again another limitation which we're aware of but at the same time perhaps teachers can translate them or there's a way to do that and eventually i hope to work with you know, governments and and government bodies to make sure that those resources are translated, um, so that you, everyone can do that. But at the moment, yeah, anyone can anyone can register. I mean, we're again we're in forty plus countries this year. Um, we we also now have a, a group of international teachers. There's about fifteen of us that meet up once a month, and they're international teacher ambassadors. And they're in Brazil, uh, Ecuador, Mexico, USA. Uh, Nigeria, Uganda, Vietnam, Nepal, Lebanon, UK I think it's right maybe I've forgotten one or two I don't know but you know we are we are very international now they have some input into it they've had input into the week and really it's it's you know we're not going to change the world with one week but we are focused on this week each year so that it's just that little extra push each year and as I said I come back to it if you're a child and you're five years old imagine like seeing five different people each year and then next year you see a different five people and then as you grow up you then start to take on your build on the empathy action project that you did last year and you realize what empathy actually means and stands for and and how to utilize it as a skill and that is how we then produce in 20 30 40 years time leaders of the world and businesses and schools and other jobs who actually understand what empathy is and utilize it for the good of it that has
0: yeah i'm just you know maybe this is not a a question for for our conversation maybe this would be offline but i'm thinking of a business model that you know empathy week netflix style where you have like an Mm. entire array of stories that you draw from and it doesn't have to stay within the you know constraints of one week but actually any teacher anytime any place can draw from from the bank of stories do last question do you um you're the filmmaker of these five Mm -hmm. films but do you allow people to submit films for entry or are you thinking about kind of engaging people that way?
1: So yeah, we uh, great question. We um, produce the films and, and that's kind of the content, but with the empathy action project last year, it was all over the place because of COVID and lockdowns and we made it virtual and we said, you know, submit a 10 slide PowerPoint presentation showing your thing. This year we've said, submit whatever you want because we want the education system is broken and it's judging no matter where you are in the world I believe that um, it's judging young people on an ability to do the same thing but everyone's different so we're saying you know when you submit your when schools then go on to submit the projects that students have done we also have a cover form which gives us some context you know how many devices do your students have do your students have access to the internet because that does make a difference on what you can do obviously so we need to take that into consideration but students if they produce a film amazing song a poem um, i mean look at the inauguration right how amazing amanda the the young girl who did a poem i mean if someone delivers something like that i'll be i'll be astounded um so yeah they can film, song, presentation, book, story, dance, drama, anything.
0: Does that mean everything that gets submitted to you will also be on the website for other people to see afterwards? Is there some kind of you know public yeah, celebration? So, okay.
1: Absolutely. So we have the Global Empathy Awards, which is a virtual uh, invite-only event for these uh, students across the world that get shortlisted. And we have an amazing set of judges. We have Dr. Melissa Collins, who's um, actually a US uh, elementary school teacher, but was in the global top fifty uh, teacher prize. We've then, excuse me, we've got uh, Gavin Dykes, who's the director of the Education World Forum, and we've got uh, Professor Jair Grouse, who is the global director of education for Kidsania. So they're the three judges who are going to be um, looking at projects and then be running the the event. Um, we've also um, recently. Been talking to a few. We can't. I was just thinking, can I actually say it yet? I can't say it yet. But talking to a few brands who will potentially be running workshops with with students who are shortlisted as well to give them an insight um, into what they do, but also support them in maybe getting ready to to do more with their project. So it's it's very exciting. Um, and we also have this year an empathy wall. So if you go on empathy-week.com forward slash empathy wall, uh, it's empty at the moment, but hopefully as the week goes on and throughout the the time students and teachers and parents can upload work that their children are doing to that and actually have their name and where they've come from and their country celebrated because that's such an important thing young people want to be seen and heard and whether that's physically or online it's just as important and we want to give that opportunity to, to young people
0: what a fantastic conversation. Thank you so, so much for your time. I love how much energy and enthusiasm you're projecting. I can sense Sorry, it. this is like to... a love project for you. I'm very, very happy. And I look forward to uh, to seeing the success. Um, Amazing. I'm happy to, to let some more people know about Empathy Week, February 22nd to 26th. More information in the details below. Thanks for watching. See Thank you me. next time. Purposeful empathy. What if you had access to your own council of coaches to help you break free of your thinking clutter, make that important decision, and liberate you from what's holding you back? At Grand Huron International, you get to choose the coach of your choice. You get to do so anytime and from anywhere. Visit GrandHeronInternational.com and harness the power of on-demand coaching today.